I'm always putting constant stress on my body, which is why I decided to try mud water and it has been a game changer in regard to mental focus. The blend of adaptogenic mushrooms, cordyceps, and lion's mane all support focus, physical performance, and are great for the immune system. Now these aren't the hallucinogenic type of mushrooms, but I do like that mud water gives back to the Berkeley Center for the Science of Using Psychedelics to help treat individuals with mental health disorders. Go to mudwater.com, that's M-U-D-W-T-R, Use code CAM for 15% off your first order. It's time to gear up for summer at Bass Pro Shops and Cabela's. Time for trips to the lake, stories around the campfire, and memories with friends and family. Shop Bass Pro Shops and Cabela's for everything you need to enjoy your summer. Save on top brands like Ascend Clothing and Camping Gear and Johnny Morris Rods and Reels. And don't forget great products like Cabela's Polar Cap Coolers and Pro Series Grills. Bass Pro Shops and Cabela's, your adventure starts here. Shop in-store or online. Every step I take, I move my truth. Every time they tell me stop, I use. Every comment, hate that makes my feel. Gather up my energy and boom. I hear them talking, saying the way that I move is so reckless. That is a part of my mind I've been blessed with. Giving my blood so I am relentless. Well, this is the Keep Hammering Collective with Yellow Runner, Sally McRae. How are you doing? <laughs> you're, you're pumped. That's where we're starting? Yeah. <laughs> you like it? Cameron, we have had like the best like last 48 hours. I know. I and know. we're just flowing through. So to our listeners, just so you know, we have been talking nonstop. Yeah, for days. Oh my God. I feel like, <laughs> well, we were just talking just now. I felt, I was like, oh, we probably should hit record I earlier, know. right? Yeah, yeah. But, um... One of the reasons why I was so excited to get up here is lo- long after I started following you and then your book came out, I was like, oh, this guy's my people. Like, yeah. we have a lot of similarities in how we were raised, mm-hmm. uh, what we had growing up, how we think. And I get so excited just to be able to connect with people that have that same drive and focus in, yeah. in life. But um, and well. it was as soon as I... Got out of the airport. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, your personality <laughs> though is one of a kind, you know I mean? Just, you know, it, which is crazy. And I, I knew this from hearing your story and, and reading your book, knowing about you is like, it's almost, you've been through so much, but then you would never know it. If, if you didn't know the, your backstory, you'd see you and say, this is the happiest person I've ever seen. You know, <laughs> I mean, it's just big personality, big smiles, just laughing, but then which is the direct opposite of what he had to go through, you know, growing up. So why is that? Do you think what, how, what has changed or have you, were you always that person or what Mm -hmm. is this? It's interesting. You you look back, like my mom was pretty good at keeping baby books. Mm -hmm. We had five kids in my family. And one of the most consistent things was, was I was a happy kid. I was just Mm -hmm. joyful. Mm -hmm. And I think, Happiness and, and joyfulness are two different things. You know, happy happiness can be, it can be fleeting. It's, it's a feeling that, you know, we, and, and even as parents, we say that like, we would just want our kids to be happy, right. but joy is something that you can feel in darkness because joy is when it comes out, it, it's strength, mm-hmm. you know, it's rooted in, in gratefulness and, and hope. You know, it's that idea of like, even though it hurts so bad or this sucks, 
Um, and we can equate that, you know, even in a race, like you can be joyful in that moment because uh, the fact that your body is able to move and, and you have this opportunity to test yourself, even though it hurts so bad and things aren't going your way. But I think from, from the time I was young, I had a, a joyfulness and it was what teachers would always tell my mom when they would do the parent conferences what coaches would say. Um, and so I wore that, I think Mm -hmm. because my mom would say it, people would say it all the time. Like she's so happy and, and I loved people and had really high energy, but yeah, you're right. You, you read the book and you realize there's a whole other like Mm -hmm. struggle and, um, going on too. So, (laughs) yeah, I mean, yeah. Well, why aren't you? So you're, you're an ultra runner an endurance athlete. I will just catch people up to speed basically on, (laughs) on who Sally McRae is just one of the most talented endurance athletes in, in the women's space for that I know of right now and just crushing it. You're, you've done, uh, let's see. So you've done two, 200 so far, you got Bigfoot coming up and then you're going to do Moab in October. Yeah. So the goal is four, 200 plus mile races mm-hmm. in a handful, five, five months, handful of yeah. months. The grand slam of 200s, I think right. is what it's called. Yeah. And which is, it seems unreal because <laughs> I've done 200s and I've never done more than one in a year. And I just know, you know, the kind of challenge it's like, it's such a, uh, not only physical, but mental and I don't just nervous system and entire body challenge. But mm-hmm. so to come back to back to back to back and do this, that's crazy. Yeah, but it's, it is. But I mean, I, when I listen to you talk, I, I feel like there there's a mindset. It doesn't matter how many 200s you do. It's just when you sign out that registration form, you're believing in the fact that you can get to the finish line of this mm-hmm. distance. And I know when you did it, you did it very well. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> so it's... You understand, you can empathize with the struggle, right? right. Yeah. But, um, you know, I don't... I. I, th- I think when I get to the start lines, I look around at these 200s. I'm like, dude, everyone here is freaking amazing. Has, it does not matter no. if you, how, how fast, mm-hmm. you know, you're going, but you have belief that your body can take you to the finish line. Like, yeah, that's, that's so rad. It's, how, it's a privilege to be How out there. incredible is that? Just a lot. It, it is. It's empowering to know mm-hmm. your body can do this. Like I can do this. And you know, you're going to have challenges along the way yeah. and you're going to question why the hell am I doing this? Yeah. But you keep pushing through. Um, and it's, it's such a special accomplishment, but it gives us confidence in life. You know what I mean? So when you, when you knocked, t- tell us how you've done in the first two this year, <laughs> what, how have those races went? Well, gosh, this is uh it's, it's been a challenge. I started off the year saying, well, every year I, I kind of have a, a similar goal. It's like, I, w- I want to be better than I was last year. Mm-hmm. And, um, I think that my curiosity has always fueled my life. And that's even how I started in this sport was, wow, it's super cool that our bodies can go that far. Like I want to try that. Mm-hmm. And so this year it, I had that same mindset for a while. I've known about 200s and People have asked, like, when are you going to do 200? And for a while, I thought, no, I'm not I'm not doing that distance. It just sounds crazy. Sounds like a different event. <laughs> yeah. But then it's like, I'm all in or I'm not. So yeah. I decided I'm not going to sign up for one. I'm going to do the Grand Slam. <laughs> I'm going to do all four. Yeah. And I want to learn and just be a student 
of this event because I really feel like it's it's its own event, its mm-hmm. own sport. Because yeah. you can't Much run these things. Than yeah, you can't run them like a hundred, right? Right. And you've done your fair share of all types of hundreds. Um, it's just yeah, it's a different beast. Mm-hmm. But I love that. Yeah. And I think the cool thing about ultras is that we you know, you can come into the sport and it, it can be a standalone sport. Like if that's what you love, you love running the mountains, you love doing hundreds or you love doing two hundreds, like own it. Mm-hmm. And I, I wanted to own that this year. So the first one was cooking on two fifty. That was on May 1st. Um, just did Tahoe 200. That was last week. And then, yeah, we had Bigfoot coming up, um, in six days. Oh man. <laughs> yeah. One got moved. So because of snowpack, so it, it's not advantageous that two are like 15 days apart, but right. Coconut 250 was, um, the build up to that is I looked at the schedule. I thought I'm going, my body's probably going to get really broken down. So I spent the first like five months, just, I wanted to put on muscle weight and I wanted to get as strong as possible. So, um, I went into Cocodona a little on the heavier side as far mm-hmm. as muscle goes, knowing that when I'd finished that and go into Tahoe, I'd be a lot lighter. Right. Um, and it is, that is what happened, but Cocodona 250 turned out to be a, a suffer fest for me. Um, I historically, and in a very prideful way, have always said I never get blisters or black toenails. I don't. I mean, yeah. I've done bad water three times and didn't get, never got a single blister out there. Like, oh, no, no nothing. Way. Yeah. Wow. Um, my feet are great. I've run all over the world through jungles, up mountains, through rivers, in every weather system you can think of. And I never have to worry about my feet. Hmm. Six miles in, maybe even less than that, into Cocodona, um, I could feel my socks were really slippery and mm. we're moving all around in a shoe that I have worn for the last decade. And I thought that's like, what the heck's going on? Mm-hmm. You don't see your crew for like almost the first 40 miles. Mm-hmm. So by the time I saw my crew, um, I already had several blisters. Skin was ripped off the back of my heels and I thought, okay, I got to make a decision right now. Like I'm going to yeah. be really upset about this or I'm going to like just own it and we're going to do the best of what we can. So it was just management of the feet as the race went on. But as the race went on, they turned into full blown foot wounds. And one of them turned into like a pretty deep ulcer, like a stage three ulcer, I think Whoa. is what they'd call it. Um, so I it saw like a the whole... pictures. It was, it was nasty. <laughs> there is a film on it every step forward. <laughs> uh, but the, the only picture that's up is in my Instagram, you have to scroll all the way to, I think to the 10th picture, Mm -hmm. Instagram kind of made it a sensitive photo. Oh, okay. So I had to like hide it in a carousel. Yeah, I see. Yeah. (laughs) It's pretty gross. They were a mess. Yeah. They were a mess. I don't think I've ever had that much physical pain in a race. Mm. And, and as I had set out to do, I said, I want to grow. I want to learn. I want to be better than I was last year. And I guess you got right to it. There we go. (laughs) Physical pain is, is, is a teacher. Or those new socks. They were and it's really embarrassing because yeah. I've, I've been doing this sport for so long. Yeah. I had bought this um, new pair of Belega socks, mm-hmm. which I love. Belega, they're from South Africa. They make amazing socks and it's uh, it goes to charity. Mm-hmm. You know, it helps people in the community. So I love purchasing these socks. Um, and I had had all my stuff out for two weeks in the living room on two couches. And when that stuff came in the mail, I put it into my, I had like 12 pairs of socks. Mm-hmm. And I told myself, okay, I need to wash these. 
And then I never came back to it. So I oh, made that mistake of right. not taking them out and just putting them in the wash. So mm-hmm. I picked those up. And, and the thing is, is they're the same color as a sock I had used all the time. Mm. So when I had grabbed it, I was like, I just wasn't thinking about the fact that it was a brand new sock. So yeah. it's a colorful sock. It was a thick sock. And sometimes the oils on mm. colorful clothes can can affect that. So. I remember I, I, yeah. I wore socks one time that for whatever reason I was coming down just pissed because it's a little run, but my feet were hot. Like the friction, they were sliding in there because yeah. they were kind of slidey socks. It doesn't yes. sound like these were, but it made, I, I couldn't believe how hot my foot got. Yes. I'm like, geez, I'm glad I learned this on this little run on instead a little of a run. race. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, foot issues that early in a 250 mile race, whew, yeah. rough. But I had to own it. I think one of the most important things that we, can do is regardless if you feel like you're a victim or it's a mistake that you made, we're human. So we make imperfect choices all the time. Mm -hmm. You have to take responsibility for it. Mm -hmm. And I thought I am not going to not get to the finish line because I made a very, you know, rookie mistake. And Mm -hmm. I'm, that's not going to, that's not the story I'm going to tell. Well, I just chose the wrong socks. My feet were beat up. No, like, you will get to the finish line and you're going to own that, Mm -hmm. take responsibility for it and and do better next time. But Mm -hmm. it was painful. So that was one. And then, um, two, we, we, we did Lake Tahoe just, they were 11 weeks apart. Um, did different type of training for that and wanted to be a little bit faster. I I, I loved the idea of winning that race. I thought I can do sub 60 on this course. And, um, a couple days before the race, my son came home from, uh, summer camp and was sick. Mm-hmm. I haven't been sick in years. Mm-hmm. So, um, Wednesday before the race, the race is on a Friday morning. I woke up sick, but I didn't think a lot of it. I'm like, I'm not throwing up. I don't have a fever, but when you're sick and you go push your body to the maximum for, you know, Day, 70 yeah. hours, right. it's, it's going to jack up your immune system. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I suffered in that. I mean, I, I finished that race uh, with bronchitis and sinusitis, I mean, really wrecked my immune system and, and was only able to eat. I think we, it came out to like 3000 or 3,500 calories the entire race. Mm. And almost um, three days in almost three days. And we had, um, the, the skin was so soft and like baby skin on my feet from Mm. Cocodona. So all those blisters came back and Mm. it was just one thing after another, you know, it was a different course. It was, we had heat, we had extreme altitude. Um, it was all these things rolled into one. It was, (laughs) it was was longer. It was almost, yeah, it was like 218 or something like that. Um, but I feel like it was kind of the same thing. I remember being halfway into that race and thinking, I didn't want another experience like I had at Cocodona. I don't, why does it always have to be like this, like painful overcoming, get to the finish line, yeah, you know, yeah. like we did that for the Choose strong project. Like, like I wanted, and we had film guys there. So we're making mm-hmm. a film for it too. And at one point I look at my film guys and I'm like, dude, I wanted to like have this badass, like let's race, let's get after it. You know, <laughs> like this really cool yeah. journey of 200 miles, how much we can push and like really put ourselves out there. Yeah. And this is turning into Cocodona 2.0. Right. And so I remember, I think it was like mile 150, using that anger and that that disappointment mm-hmm. of I, I trained really hard. I know I can run fast. This wasn't so the fit. script. Yeah, this wasn't the script, but yeah. but remembering we have this ability 
to rewrite the story. Like no one can live our life Mm -hmm. except us. No one can make those decisions except us. And I remember feeling what I was feeling. It just so much physical pain. And I had fried my body like early on and I was puking water, you know, like by, I was 50 miles in. I was so sick. They wouldn't let me leave the aid station for a couple hours till I processed something. Mm. And so I ran hot the whole time. I was always hot. It was always hurting. And I thought, I'm either just going to sit and complain about how uncomfortable I am and get to the finish line, or I'm just going to embrace that and see how well Mm -hmm. I can be uncomfortable and get to the finish line. And this time I was in fourth place and I looked at um, my husband, Eddie, and I thought, all right, I don't feel great. I was able to eat a smoothie. I have a little bit of energy in me. Mm -hmm. How far is third place? He's like, seriously? He's like, Mm -hmm. like three, four miles. I was like, I'm going to catch her. <laughs> and I, and I knew it hurt. I knew it, it would go in the red line zone, but, but that was the goal. I, I wanted to be on that podium. Mm-hmm. I, I knew that I had worked hard for that. That was the story that I wanted to write. That's, and I thought I, I'd, I will be so much more proud of myself in this performance, knowing I gave everything I got, if I can at least try. Yeah. I'm not guaranteed that right. no. just cause you want to eat. Right. Right. Cause that the third place, one in third place too. Yeah. <laughs> or maybe second. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So everybody has their own goals. Yeah. yeah. So what happened? So I, it took me about 30 miles, but, um, I caught her. Really? Yeah. The next aid station, I arrived over an hour earlier than they had expected. Mm-hmm. The crew was freaking out cause they were looking at the tracker and all of a sudden they were like, dude, I don't know if we're going <laughs> to get to the aid station on time. And then, um, my good buddy, Billy Yang hopped mm-hmm. in with me for the next section. I love Billy. Oh, he's, <laughs> and we were like brother and sister. So, yeah. and it's, and he was the perfect person at that time. Cause I came in to the aid station on just a terror. Yeah. I was still like kind of on edge, just like a little pissed. cranky. Yeah. I was cranky. cranky. I was pissed at how much discomfort I have. And I think that's pretty normal when we're so uncomfortable and so much pain, like you don't want to listen to people talking, you want everyone to shut up. And it's like, so I remember just looking right at him. I was like, dude, like I'm going hard the whole next section. Like you, you're either, you're either ready for that or you're not. And he's Mm -hmm. looking at me, he's like, why do you think I showed up? Like, what is your problem? (laughs) And so, um, the guys all got this on, on the camera, but my husband later told me, he's like, dude, when you left, we're all like, yeah, 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 let's go. (laughs) Cause it was like this coming back to life. Like what's going on. And it's just this war with the discomfort (laughs) of, yeah, you're here. Mm -hmm. You are not my friend but I'm going to be stronger than you. And it's like, this is all about what, you know, the, what is it worth Mm -hmm. to you in this moment? And as a mom, I think about all the times that I leave to train all that focus and that like dedication. And I want to make that matter, Mm -hmm. you know? And so when it isn't going my way, I've had enough races in my career. I've been doing this for so long where I have given up or I've get, I've gotten that DNF. I've my fair share of that. Like I'm not perfect. I haven't had a spectacular every single race, but I feel like I've learned my lesson so many times. I know what I'm capable of. Mm-hmm. I know what I can endure And so much of that discomfort and pain. It's like, dude, it's gone. Like just a couple hours after cross finish yeah. line. Yeah. And so you, you kind of obsess over that finish line feeling you obsess mm-hmm. over What's the story that I want to tell tomorrow? Yeah. What's that story that I'm going to remember that I'm going to tell myself? What am I programming into my brain for next time? Mm-hmm. And as I ran along with Billy, 
um, we talked a little, you know, we, we were talking a little bit about what was going on and how we were going to, you know, catch this, you know, F3. But I started thinking about Cocodona mm-hmm. and I thought I was in horrific pain for so long. Like my feet are just being ripped to shreds as yeah. I'm going up mountains in the worst way. And I thought that I'm not feeling that right now. Yeah. This sucks that what, I, what I'm feeling, but you know what? I still got to that finish line mm-hmm. and I am capable of this. And so pushing just, it just became all about the mind mm-hmm. and what your mind believes the body can absolutely achieve. And you were after so, F2 at that time. I was. Yeah. So, so this is the part that kind of got scary. So I, we dropped into Spooner. It's the last aid station as we go into, um, the finish, which is an 18 mile stretch at this mm-hmm. time. I thought it was only 18 miles. <laughs> I had gone up, I'd done a training on this section. I'd run this section already two times. I'd ran it with Billy on the way out. Cause it was an mm. out and back. I knew it like the back of my hand. I knew exactly what I wanted to do. I had redlined catching F2 and mm-hmm. I wanted to catch her in this section, hit the next section and just go after, um, well, I caught F3. So I wanted to go after F2. So I get into the aid station, Billy is with me and I look at the volunteer and I say, how long ago did F2 leave? And he says, well, 45, 60 minutes. And I start doing the calculation in my head. Okay. We got 18 miles. Like how, you know, what is it that I need to run? Mm-hmm. And you know, my adrenaline is pumping And I look at Billy and I was like, I'm doing this section on my own. I'll see you at the finish line. And I look at the volunteer. I was like, I'm going to go get her right now. And I just took off and it was a climb all the way up. And in that decision, it was, I am so uncomfortable. I, everything hurts so bad. I need to go to a quiet place. Mm -hmm. Like we just, I, I can't have anyone around. Right. I don't want conversation. Mm-hmm. I don't want anyone telling me when to eat or like what pace I need to right. kip or like, like I, I need to go to a quiet place and just embrace everything I'm feeling mm-hmm. and, and work at this quietly. Right. And, you know, and that's something I do quite a bit when I race, but unfortunately because of my extreme lack of calories, very like very little sleep and Mm -hmm. just a body that had been fried for so long, I blacked out. And that was kind of the journey to the finish line. I'm really grateful F4 didn't Mm -hmm. end up catching me, Mm -hmm. but I only remember sections. And sometimes I would come to, I thankfully never fell. Mm -hmm. Thankful I was never on a ridge, but so disoriented. And I would, I would kind of come to and be staring at trees and I'd be talking to trees. Drew and Tyler, um, who are the filmmakers, they were on the course throughout the race, but I yeah. thought I saw, I thought every tree in rock was them. Mm. So I'd be, I'd come to, and I would think I drew Tyler, is that mm. you? And then there was one section where they actually were there and I'm staring at them and I'm kind of like afraid of them. And after the race, they told me they're like, dude, you have freaked us <laughs> out. Like we had, and they don't, because they're filmmakers, they don't ever talk to me. Right. They don't yeah. ever interact. They want everything in real life. And so after the race, they're like, you were like freaking us out. Cause you're like mm. giving us this really weird look. And I was like, I thought you were my hallucination. <laughs> Cause that is just what wow. was going on. But I finally took out my topo map and I was just glued to it. Mm-hmm. And I thought, I know I have to get somewhere. And I just was following all the trackers of, you know, the, the map all the way to yeah. the finish line. But at some point I realized this is a different route. And mm. You know, 206 miles went by, which I thought was the distance. The finish. And then it was 210, 212, 214. I, I mean, oh. um, 
that yeah, was because you you had calorie you had you had normally when you have your mindset on okay this is a finish line yes you're done there yes <laughs> I mean you know that no matter what it is yes it, it could be 50 100 200 yeah. but you're done because it you've that's been the goal yeah and now they move the goal post and yes yeah, it's tough and I think this is actually I mean you bring up a really good point cam because I think this is and I, I say this often when I share stuff online because I running for me is a beautiful beautiful metaphor to life it's why I do it I love to talk about the message of life in running racing is such a gentle way mm-hmm. to experience discomfort and pain it's it's gentle because you yeah. have these it's structured it's it's set up for there's you support. there's support along <laughs> yeah. the way and you know like it when it when we hit that 100 mile mark you're going to be all done but life is not like that mm-hmm. like sometimes that discomfort and that pain it comes and that's all you're thinking about is when is this going to end and sometimes we lose hope or we give up or we we stop trying too early because there is no finish line in sight for us there is no light at the end of the tubble and so i think for me like i had to go to that place when yeah. i was in the race remember <clears throat> that like this is so similar to life i'm so disappointed that the finish line is not at mile 206 but i know how to be in in that great disappointment and keep mm-hmm. going because the finish line will eventually come yeah like it, it will be there and so it's keeping that hope i just i know i just need to keep mm-hmm. moving forward i need to keep checking this map okay i'm i'm moving on the right path it's not where i want it to be this feels horrible and i'm actually really second guessing if i can get there but i i am i'm mm-hmm. gonna get there yeah so finishing finishing was <clears throat> was a uh, it was pretty emotional i, I bet yeah <laughs> do you, I mean, do you remember times in life that you wondered, is this going to last forever? Is this going to ever end? Like mm. true challenge, life challenges. Do you remember having those same similar feelings? Yeah. I mean, I, I think this is some of the discussion that you and I had yesterday that I, I loved so much where, you know, you, you, you kind of resort back to like, well, this is how life has always been for me. Mm -hmm. Like, this is just the family that I grew up. This is just the town. This is how, this is just how it is. And so, um, I really don't need to look beyond these parameters of darkness or hopelessness or pain, because I guess this is just the life that was chosen for me. And Mm -hmm. so I'm just going to sit here and be in it. And, you know, my, my book choose strong. Um, one of the, my, my greatest hopes in writing that was to showcase that. Um, I ha- there's a, a certain artistry I have in the way I, I did the chapters. I purposely wrote it simply. My goal was for someone to pick it up and be able to read it in either one or two sittings, mm-hmm. which has been amazing to see so many people tell me that they did because a lot of books go left unread. But I thought if I could write, I think it's 25 chapters or 22 chapters, and every time you open up a chapter, it just gets right to your heart. Mm -hmm. It just punches you in the face or punches you in the gut every time. It's not, it's not this like flowery words and eventually getting to the story. It's like, and then this happened and then this happened and then this happened. And it was let down after let down after pain, after hurt, after loss and just turmoil for the first 18 years of my life. And I had a lot of seasons, especially as I got older, that I would look back. Mm -hmm. um, And I know you and I talked about this, how the power of remembrance and remembering where you came from. And I think there's a point sometimes that we hit in life where we look back and we're 
we're like, wow, the pattern for me is that everything sucks. Mm -hmm. Like nothing turns out like I'm working my ass off. I'm trying to be the best student, the best daughter. You know, I'm working two jobs by the time I'm 15 years old. You know, I don't have as much as my peers have. And so, you know, I'm training double hard at home when all my friends are on club teams and have trainers and I'm all by myself in the backyard trying to make this dream work. And then it's like, then my mom's dying and then my dad gets sick and then he gets arrested. I mean, there's, it was just one thing after another to, I'd, I'd say the last year from 17 to 18, it was then every month. I mean, mm. it just continued to get mm-hmm. worse. And I really started to question whether or not life was ever going to change, was ever going to change, but even if it was worth living, mm. I mean, the, if this is, and I would, you know, I, I would have these very long prayers at night with God. And I would ask why, why is it that some people have to hurt so much. You know, I'm, I'm a high school girl and some of my best friends every Friday night, they're at the mall, you know, they're going out, their boyfriends, none of them have jobs and they come from these great families. They got a mom and a dad that loves them. Why, like why, but why does my life have to hurt so much? And always very aware that, you know, we can get to a point where we can turn inwardly and just everything hurts me, me, me. My mom always did a great job of like, there's so much hurt around you. There's so much that people don't have. There's so much always to be grateful for. And was always kind of bringing me back to that spot. Cause I was a typical kid. I would complain all the time. Like, you know, I always had holes in my shoes and like, why couldn't we do this or have this or, you know, just, it isn't fair. And just getting so frustrated. And, And instead of her, you know, coddling me. Like, I know it's just, life is hard. It was just work harder. Mm-hmm. Like if you want to have, go to gymnastics lessons, I can't afford that. Go get a job. And this is when I was 12 Yeah, and I did, mm-hmm. and I paid for my own gymnastics and it was, and that was the pattern. I learned like, you're going to work in the pain and you're going to look out around you and realize that there is so much hurt in this world mm-hmm. and hurt. Now that I'm adult, I, I realize it, it's the hurt that most often binds humans together. That's what we feel the most connected Yeah, is I, I connect, I can empathize. I can have compassion with so many people because of my hurt. But mm-hmm. I'll tell you what, you stand at the top of a podium. That's one of the most lonely places to be. Hmm. You know, that's, that's an isolating, that, that's an amazing achievement. That's yeah. super exciting. And, and at that time as a teenager, that's all I wanted. I wanted to be a professional soccer player. Mm-hmm. I wanted to have my cover on the magazine. I wanted everyone to know me as this badass athlete. My whole life was going to be devoted to that, but everything was crumbling around me and was ruining that. Mm-hmm. And so I think that, you know, this, this idea of, of pain and hurt, holding on to hope. I mean, I had to learn that at a really young age and, you know, realizing with the the last conversation that I had with my mom, she was very honest, you know, wasn't it's, it's, you're going to be okay. And just, I love you and you're gonna be fine. She said, it's going to be hard. And I think that that's a really powerful message that we can tell our children, our friends, anyone that that we love is I'm not going to lie to you and tell you that, life is going to be easy. It's going to be hard, but I want to encourage you that you're, you're strong enough to get through it. Cause that's, that's a part of life mm-hmm. for all of us right. at some point. I mean, you know, at some point it's how hard. old were you 18 at this time or how old were you when she died? I was 17, 17. Okay. Yeah. 
Hey guys, you want to be as smart as famed neuroscientist Andrew Huberman, PhD at Stanford? Well, sadly, that's probably not going to happen. But I did find something that can help, and that's HVMN Ketone IQ. I actually downed one right before reading this, so if I sound decent, it's probably why. Because I'm not sure if you guys realize how much brain power podcasting takes. But whatever I can take that will at least make me sound smarter, I'm in. Ketone IQ is a clean energy boost without sugar or caffeine. Ketone IQ increases your blood ketones. I'm not on a keto diet, but by taking Ketone IQ, I can achieve the desired focus and energy for explosive workouts that ketones typically provide to those in ketosis. You can find Ketone IQ at your local Sprouts or online at hvmn.com. Use code CAM. CAM for 20% off your first order. Leupold Optics has been providing my binoculars and eyewear for the last few years. I like that it's an Oregon company and they make such high quality glasses, all I've really used. And if you can't find what you're hunting, it's going to be tough to kill. So Leupold Optics has really played an integral part in my success these last few years. Thank you, Leupold, for supporting the podcast. I have teamed up with Mountain Ops and Black Rifle Coffee for the best hunt giveaway I have ever seen. One premium elk tag, one premium deer tag, and one lucky person. Yes, one lucky person gets both those tags. This hunt is with Wild Country Outfitters in a unit I hunt year after year in Utah. It is not only some of the best elk hunting in the state, but hunters take giant deer there year after year as well. How can one win this hunt, you may ask? It's as simple as going to mountainops.com hunt. If you make a purchase on the website, make sure you use code CAM for 20% off and free shipping. Keep hammering and may the odds be in your favor. Just her words gave you the strength to overcome mm-hmm. all that or did mm-hmm. was somebody else um, pouring into you or what gave you strength to, to be who yeah. you are? You know, my mom was a, a woman of faith. It was mm-hmm. something that um, I was always curious about. So we were, our family was raised in the church and the way that my dad talked about God and the way that my mom talked about God were very different. Mm -hmm. And I felt like my mom had this, like, God loves you no matter what, like he, his love is unconditional and unconditional love is that when you fail and you make bad mistakes, like love doesn't change. And, and the thing that was hard for me though, is that so often in church, they refer to God as, you know, your father in heaven, like the one that loves you. And that was very difficult for me because I thought, well, you know, the dad I have is incredibly disappointed in me and he's harsh and he's cruel and he hurts me. And it's hard to imagine that when I screw up or when things, when so many things are hurting in my life, that that isn't the punishment because of the disappointment that I am. Mm -hmm. And so I grew up with a very rough view of who God was I or a father was or what a father was right. so oh absolutely saying, yeah if you're referencing the father in heaven it's like yeah you're, yeah your your father's not showing much love so it's like the father undertone mm-hmm. is negative absolutely mm-hmm. and i think you know so often god is views that viewed that way that he's just sitting on this throne waiting to strike everyone mm-hmm. down and but one of the things that i always felt close to my mom in it in was this this peaceful image of her Early in the morning, she would always sit with her Bible and this cup of tea and her journal. She loved to write. She loved to read. We had five kids in my family. Our household was very busy. 
but she always found peace there. That was her, her peace was in sitting quietly at the feet of Jesus praying. And, and then in her last couple months when she was dying, she was always reciting scripture. And she, I, I've never, I've been at the bedside of many people who have been dying and it's, it's hard to sit next to somebody when they don't have hope, when they are frightened about the end of their life, when it is just darkness and it's pain. It, it's hard to sit and hold someone's hand and let go. And at 17 years old, I was very in tune to the fact that my mom wasn't like that. She had this peace. She knew that she was going to go somewhere better. Mm -hmm. And she had this incredible hope for us and for the end of her life. Like she was sad about leaving, but she had that such a strong faith in God. And I thought there's no material possession in this world. There's no Zen room, yoga room that I can go to for someone to be at the end of their life and have peace and hope. I want that. Yeah. And, and that's really how I've lived my life ever since mm. I have, I, I can't imagine my life without a faith in Jesus Christ, mm -hmm. all my, my hope, my joy, my strength, that's where it is. And when I talk about going to a quiet place, when I talk about embracing pain, it's just that, that place of prayer. I mean, you study Jesus's life and how often in, in the most painful, intense moments in his life, he went alone in the mountains to pray. Mm -hmm. And it's understanding that there's one person, there's, there's, there's only one who knows me at my core and it's the one who created me. Mm -hmm. And to be able to find strength and peace and hope in that, I mean, that's, that's all I care about. And that's where I find it every single day that I get out of bed. And that's where I had to find it as an 18 year old. You know, I, I had a lot of days where I wanted to end my life and I would contemplate the ways and, mm -hmm. and how I would do that. And I knew inside, like, that's not what mom would have wanted for me. She would be devastated if I did that. And I really loved my siblings and my friends. I had that. I was still able to kind of think through all of that mm -hmm. about in some ways is really selfish if I, if I do that. And maybe God does have a plan for me beyond all of this. Mm -hmm. I can't see it. I absolutely can't see it. I mean, everything is ripped away. And, and the book ends at 18. Um, there's a part two, which I'm more than halfway done, but it, it doesn't stop. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it takes a really long time before things start to change. And so I think, you know, I, I look back now, you know, as I'm a mom myself mm -hmm. and I realize like God doesn't use anything in vain. He uses all of it for good. All of it is, is used as a foundation, as a stepping stone for something else. And his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our, than our thoughts. And our greatest, grandest dream that we have for ourselves does not compare to what he has for us. Mm -hmm. And I can look back at the dreams I had for myself as a teenager and realize what I'm doing today yeah. Oh my God. Incredible. I could never dream up this it's life incredible. for myself. And so yes, being joyful mm -hmm. is being in full recognition of 
the goodness that that God has been in my life mm-hmm. and his faithfulness in my life and knowing that everything I do 100% is wholeheartedly is unto him. So I never have to worry about critics. I never have to worry about meeting other people's expectations or, you know, the compliments or the criticisms. Like if my whole heart is geared toward God who knows the number of my days mm-hmm. and knows what has, has given me every good thing in my life has given me this body and the capabilities that I have. That's, that's all I need to keep focused on. Mm-hmm. And that brings me the greatest joy. And it's, yeah. it's a real joy. It's not, it's not the, you know, just the happy smile. It's, it's being joyful for, for where I've come from and, and hopeful of where I'm going. Yeah. That's, that's, I mean, it's powerful for sure. I've just, I was thinking back, you know, on those moments where you were, you said you contemplated suicide. It's like, was it your, your mom not not wanting to disappoint your mom? Or it was like, I was thinking about, cause people listening to this, everybody, it seems even worse now as far as challenges and mental challenge, you know, just people go through so much these days. Mm -hmm. Um, what got you through? I mean, you said your mom, you said you'd miss your brother, your, you know, your family, but what would you say to somebody who doesn't have like a loving mom that had that mm-hmm. foundation in Jesus? And yeah. what, what would you tell that person? What's, how do you give them hope? I, I interact with people like that every day. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that is the, the, that constant conviction of how I use my platform mm-hmm. is this, you know, running is just the excuse. It's right. It's literally the shiny object. It's the shiny object. Mm-hmm. And I knew that really early on in sports because after my mom passed away, that desire to want to just be, I want to be the best. Like I want to, I wanted to be a superstar mm-hmm. athlete. And I realized when you lose so much, when you're in a place of hopelessness, it also makes you hyper focus on what is the most important things in your life, like what truly matters. And I, and I think when I, when I talk to people, strangers, yeah, like I don't know what faith background people have. Mm-hmm. I don't know what their story is. But yeah, I mean, I have people that have come to me multiple times with, I'm, I'm struggling with depression, with suicide, I'm really sick right now, or like I'm in such a bad place. How, like, how do you keep going? Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a heavy you know, it's, it's heavy for me to receive those messages because, right. you know, my go-to immediately is like, first of all, like putting your hope in something that is like, has roots, something that's solid, something that you can stand on that is far greater than anything that you can find in the world because the, the grass withers, the flowers fade, mm-hmm. the man-made stuff will always fail. You need something stronger and greater than who you are that will unconditionally never, ever change. Mm-hmm. Like unconditional love. I mean, the very definition of that, I mean, it, it's, it, it, it hopes all things, it endures all things, it perseveres, it never, ever fails. Like that is what we want. Mm-hmm. We, we, we want that. We want something to never, ever fail. And most people are, they're, they're looking for a life that has meaning. I want to know, I mean, how many times I've sat at the bedside of people dying. They just want to know, like, did my life matter? Can you tell, like, oh, do you remember the days, Sally? It's like, yes, like you made an impact. 
You want to be remembered. You want people to say your name and smile. Mm -hmm. And you want to know that like, because of me, like there was something just a little bit better, a little bit brighter in the world. And it's such a dismal place to be when you're living, you're getting up every day and you're thinking, my life has no impact. It has no meaning. There's no value. Like nothing I do is great. Like I'm just wandering around in darkness. Like why should I keep going? And that is a, a very common and fortunate question that people have today. Mm -hmm. What is the purpose in all of this? And, you know, it, on a very personal level, I, I, I believe we are all put here for a purpose, mm -hmm. a very unique purpose that only you can live out. But you're, you're not going to know that unless you live, right. unless you keep on taking those steps. I can't tell you how your life is going to end or when it's going to end or what are all the, the shiny, beautiful things that might be in your future, because there might be a lot more pain. Are you willing to go? If I were to allow you to see to the end of your life and you saw all the horrific things waiting for you, would you continue? I'd say a lot of us would say no. Mm -hmm. Right. But we were built to be strong. Right. We were built with this resiliency. It's not a special trait just for some people. I mean, there's a reason even in our physical form that well into our aging years, we have the capability to build strength, physically still build strength. I right. think that's incredible. It is. But when you understand that and that the mind is so much stronger, oh, we're created by a creator who is so powerful. And to think that we were touched by him, that strength is in us. Yeah. And if you want to believe that, if you're going to step in that, if you're going to step in faith and believe I am strong because I was made by a strong creator, mm -hmm. it will change your life. Yeah. And so, yeah, I'm, I, I am not. And I think a lot of people are listening to this podcast will probably be really surprised because I get messages all the time where people are like, are you do you love Jesus? Mm -hmm. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, if you look closely at everything I write, mm -hmm. um, you know, we talked about this yesterday. I said, I love that Jesus spoke in parables. Mm -hmm. He didn't come and beat people over the head the way that religious leaders did right. and make you feel bad and oppress you and judge you. He went and he sat with people and he had compassion on them. And he told stories that they could all relate to. Relate to yeah. And I think that's what we're called to do, to sit among people to not say, to coddle people in their pain, but to sit with them and say, I hurt because you hurt. Mm -hmm. I, I feel what you feel. And I'm just going to sit here quietly with you. And I'm going to remind you that it's not going to last forever, that there is hope and there is joy and there is strength and there is love waiting for you. Mm -hmm. And you just got to keep on getting out of bed and living yeah, in that. That's, I'm, you know, and it, that makes me think that, because listening, enduring with somebody, being there for somebody, that's why I think like in the long races, when you, when you share that with somebody, you have that connection because yes. it's almost, it's like that. It's that, mm -hmm. it's that parable type connection where, um, yeah, you've went through something together. And so there's, you know, what suffering felt like, you yes. know, what overcoming it feels like, and mm -hmm. you did it together. It's, it's one reason, I mean, that's one reason why me and Roy had such a big connection because we went through so much together and so much challenge. It's like, you can never have that type of connection with anyone else unless you do something similar. So when I go train or do the races or do a hard hunt with somebody, it's like, there's something different about it. 
And it's mm-hmm. because of the example you just outlined. Yeah, I love that. And I, every time you talked about Roy, I mean, there's just this look in your eyes that changes. And I, I, you, it comes out so clearly in your book. And it, you guys truly had a beautiful friendship. Mm-hmm. When you think of like David and Jonathan in, in the Bible, like they just, these friends that loved each other and would, would, take their own life for each other, you mm-hmm. know, would, would stand in front of each other to defend. And I, that's rare and that's yeah. a gift. And I, I know how much you miss him, but when you do talk about those stories, some really rough stuff, like when you were breaking down for me, what it takes to, to kill an animal, bring it out 10, 12 miles. Mm-hmm. I was blown away. Cause I had, yeah. I had no idea. Massive respect. I mean, the endurance that you need, the endurance and strength that you need to do that. But when you find someone who's willing to stand alongside you in conditions that are cold and harsh, mm-hmm. when you're tired and you, you realize you're like, yeah, there's not a lot, not a lot of people out here. Right. There's not a lot of people that are going to go to this place with me. Mm-hmm. It's really special. I think at the end of our life to know that if you could be that one person for one person, right. your life is so full. Yeah. You know, no, no one knew my mom. There was no social media. She was very, she was a little more introvert, a little bit more quieter. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she had her own little circle of friends. But what I realized, especially as I'm writing the book and just how I live my life today is because of her. That, that example that she was to me, those words that she ran in me, that the call to live your life in faith. And I realize, you know, I look at my analytics, you know, for social media, it's like I'm, I'm hitting over a million of accounts, you mm-hmm. know, regularly. Right. You know, you're interacting with over a million people, really. And I think about how that domino effect from my mom I'm like, mom, because you lived this way, Mm -hmm. because you spoke truthfully and in love up until the day you, you died, Mm -hmm. look at all these people that you impacted. Yeah. And it's like, I've never forgotten that, but I've always thought that's a life. That's a life that I want to live at the end of my life. I can't take all these buckles with me. Mm -hmm. I like, please don't bring my buckles to me when I'm on my deathbed. (laughs) And I I don't want to talk about my buckles. I want the people that I love surrounding me. And I want to look into their eyes and know that, that they were loved and they knew that they were loved Mm -hmm. and that they will remember that long after I'm gone. You know, if I can impact somebody's life to keep living or to be braver or to be courageous or, or to live authentically, to really believe in themselves that my life has purpose and I am going to go after it. Oh man, that's, that's, that brings me the greatest joy. Yeah, I, that's. I mean, that's what matters for sure. You mm-hmm. you have a story that you've told about. I think your mom was very sick, and then I think you had a soccer game in the rain or yeah. something, and she shows showed up. Tell yeah. me that story. Yeah, it's called um, "Standing in the Rain." Mm-hmm. It's one of my my favorite stories. Um, one of the most vivid memories I'd say from my childhood, and my mom was my supporter from for as long as I can remember any, anything I was doing with gymnastics, soccer, running, she was always there and I could always hear her voice cheering for me mm-hmm. when she started to get really sick. I mean, this is, this story takes place less than 12 weeks before she died. So she's, you know, weekly doctor visits, the chemo, yeah. her whole body is just falling apart. Yeah. I, you know, just kind of trained myself to not look at the sidelines anymore 
And it was hard. I was going she to, couldn't, she couldn't she, go. She couldn't be there. Yeah. And too weak. Yeah. And you know, you're soccer team, such a team sport, you know, you know, everyone's mom, you know, everyone's parents, you know, mm-hmm. they, they all know all the kids on the team. Like it's, it's a team sport, even for the parents, it's just fun being on the sidelines cheering. And I remember this day in February in Southern California, we don't get a lot of rain, but my mom loved it when it would rain. And she had this thing where she'd always bake mm-hmm. whenever it would rain. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so the sky got gray and we're riding on the, on the bus to the field. And I remember the energy was really high. Cause we're like, dude, me so muddy. Like we're gonna have so much fun out there. <laughs> like we were excited for the rain. Yeah. And you know, you start seeing parents walking in the parking lot and kids are opening up the windows and hollering at their parents. Yeah. And I just remember this kind of slow motion moment where the world kind of moves slowly in the fact that I'm watching all my teammates, all my girlfriends, saying hi to their parents and wanting so much to just cry. You know, like my mom isn't here. And and at this time in life, I still was very reluctant to believe that she was going to die. And so I'm holding on to this idea of like, like she's hurting so much. She, she's not here. They're telling me that she's going to pass away. I don't want to believe that she's passed away. And I can't let this image be what's going to be permanent for me soon. And so I am having this wrestling. I get down in, into the parking lot and I say, oh, I need to go to the bathroom. And I kind of let out a few tears. And um, I had this thing the day my mom told us that we had cancer. I never cried. And I told her I'm going to be strong for her, Like, I'm not going to cry. And so it, the rain starts coming down really hard. I run out to my teammates. We're like halfway into the into the game. I'm mud everywhere. And I was a striker. I love to score a lot. And at the half line, I beat their last defender and I'm like going down a long length of the field by myself with the ball. It's just pretty much me going to the goalie. And before I get to the 18 yard box, I, I catch a glimpse. I can see next to the, to the goal line, a figure that looks like it's wearing my mom's jacket and looks like her. And so it's a distraction as I'm now shooting the ball and the ball goes sailing over, over the goal line. And I turn, I immediately face her and it's her standing beneath this umbrella. And she just, she looks so gaunt, you know, her eyes are sunken into her head and she has this faint smile. Good job, Sally. And I run over to her and you know, the rain's coming down hard. I'm like, what are you doing? And she just says, I, I just wanted, I wanted to see you play like you're doing so awesome. And, and I grab her hands and it's like, you just notice every piece of her is wasted. Mm-hmm. You know, her hands are smaller and they're freezing. And I know how sick she is. I'm like, mom, like, I like, thank you so much for coming out. Like, are you okay? And she's just, you know, how all moms do. Like, they just, I'm fine. Like, I'm good. You're doing awesome. Wow. You're making me cry. Uh-huh. And, um, and I give her a hug and it's like, I, I, my face meets her wig. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I get so angry, you know, I get, I get angry in that moment, just realizing like I'm hugging this frail body and it's her wig. And it's this moment of this is the last time. This is it. This is the last time she's going to see me play and kind of straighten myself up and like, don't cry, like be so joyful in this moment. So I hug her and I look at her and it's, and all of this is in a matter of like 60 seconds. Cause like right. the goalie's running to get the ball. They got to put it back in the call coaches hollering, like get back, you know? And so I run away from her and the rain's really coming down really hard. 
And I remember just praising God in that moment because I just lost it. And I was like, I'm so grateful for the rain because no one can tell the difference between my tears and that rain. Mm -hmm. And I turn and face her and she's just standing tall, the biggest smile. And, and I thought, here's someone that's at the end of their life in the greatest physical pain, so much pain. She was taking so many meds at night just to be able to sleep, you know, and the rain, the pain, the cancer at this point, it was around her brain. It got in all into her organs. It was in her bone marrow. I mean, it was everywhere. Mm-hmm. And she's standing in this uncomfortable weather because she loves me Hmm. and she wants to support me and encourage me that one last time. And I'll just never forget that. And, you know, and sometimes that's the image that pops up Yeah. when I'm in this very structured pain in a race, you know, you think this is hard. I signed up for that. Yeah. You know, I talk about like, dude, my feet were so trash at Coconut or like I was like had nothing left at mm-hmm. Lake Tahoe. Like I'm, you know, got bronchitis. My feet are ripped up. My body's on fire. Like I'm moving. I, I signed up for that. Yeah. She didn't, voluntary. Sign, she didn't sign up for that. Mm-hmm. And, and for her, she knew that the finish line for her was the end of life and leaving five children behind. Yeah. And I think that's, that's the strength that I want. Right. You know, and I had written a poem in the book about it. And one of the last lines of the poem, it talks about how mama new strength is not something that's physical. It's not something we display to the world. You know, it's, it's inside. It's, it's the choices that we make. Mm -hmm. It's, it's what we choose to do and who we choose to be. That's the most powerful strength of all. And that's the strength that I, you know, that I hope to always show other people Cause obviously like as a professional athlete, like I lift, I run, like people say stuff about my body every day. Right. And I think at times you can come off as being someone that's untouchable or someone that's unrelatable because of that. Mm -hmm. But I always like to bring it back to like the physical body will always go first. And then we have seen physical bodies just waste away, Mm -hmm. but how incredible to see how powerful we genuinely are when the, there's nothing left in the physical yeah, body. The spirit, yeah. Yeah, and that, the human spirit. That, that's what, I think that's the most important thing. Yeah, I mean, yeah. what, yeah, it is, that's incredible. Um, but yeah, nothing would give you more perspective than that, you yeah. know, and that image that you hold of your mom. Yeah. It's, uh, that's, I mean, that's a powerful one. Mm-hmm. It's it impacts me too. I mean, when you're, <laughs> I feel like getting choked up listening to you <laughs> tell that story. And it's, um, but I think about like the races, the t- the tough races you've had, and I think about so many people would have pulled the plug on those races, yeah. You know, and just said I wasn't, you know, your feet torn up at mile six or whatever that was at Cocodona, and at least for sure at mile thirty, and you still had over two hundred miles left, and you still pushed through. And then being sick in the other one, that would have been enough for most people to say, yeah, I mean, I got sick. I can't, there's no way I can push my body through this. But despite that, you did push through. And it's like, that's what, that's, you know, it separates you. And it's like, you think that, do you really have to have that painful of a childhood to be that tough? You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? So at times, at times you could cuss your circumstances or your upbringing but then also we, we have grown from those 
experiences. And now you, so I, I feel like you put a lot of pressure on yourself to be tough and to, to be, um, I don't know how to, not a, I guess a role model for some people just to mm -hmm. be, you know, you watch the films and you hear your words and it does inspire people. And it's like, it's incredible what your example, but is it, I don't know. I mean, do you feel pressure also mm -hmm. to be that tough? I don't feel pressure. I, I genuinely enjoy mm -hmm. what I do. I think the like I had said earlier, my first step into ultra mm -hmm. was out of curiosity. Very, very curious of, wow, this is amazing what our bodies can do. Yeah. And so on one hand, it's, I wonder if I can push through this. Mm -hmm. Like, I wonder if it is actually possible. So there is a very personal side to it. But I also believe that we are, the further we go, the stronger we get, mm -hmm. you know, the more reps, the stronger we get. What I was able to do, you know, 10 years, I like, I, I can't, 10 years ago, I wouldn't be able to do what I'm doing today. Right. And so there is a bit of a fascination with that. Like, wow, like what, what else are we able to do? But I don't feel pressure. Um, I think I've failed so much in my life mm -hmm. to know that I'm okay with failure. I'm mm. okay with missing the mark. I'm okay with, with not being impressive. And there's something very freeing about that. You know, last year when I did the Choose Strong project, I had a friend that actually reached out. That he, he said the same thing. He's like, mm. Sally, dude, this project sounds like super insane and you're going to like trash your body. Like, I hope that you don't feel like you have to finish it. I hope that you feel like that if if something goes wrong, like that you're going to take care of yourself. And mm -hmm. I was like, 100%. I do feel like that. I do feel like that I can be in a space where, yeah, this isn't a good idea, but I also feel like it's a great gift to be able to see what I'm capable of doing. And I think my, my standard for my life is, does this glorify God? And if I'm always looking to glorify God and I don't care about what people think of me, I don't care about whether or not they're going to vote that I'm the best at this or that, or if they're going to compliment me. And even at the same time, like if I really don't care about what the critics say, then it does allow me to push a little bit harder because mm -hmm. it's a very singular focus for me. I don't do this to impress people. I don't do this because... I'm going to get anything from, from anybody, but it is pretty awesome to display the strength that is inside us if we believe. So. Yeah. I mean, and, and now knowing what you've already overcome, mm -hmm. you know, not just last year, but then this year is, I, I guess it is pretty remarkable. It's like, what is the limit? Where is yeah. your limit? Like how exciting is that? I know. I mean, I, and I, I think like, it's really amazing and, and motivating to live life like that. Like yeah. what is possible? Cause I, I don't think we've really tapped into that completely. I think more and more we're seeing like more boundaries are being like right. pushed out, like right. more things are being broken. Like it is really neat to see people in, in all sports in all things like, wait a minute, like mm -hmm. we are not operating in full capacity of what we think, like 50 years. I mean, you think all the way back to the guy that broke the, what was it? The four minute mile yeah, in the beginning is yeah. like, you're going to die. Like, <laughs> yeah. And I think, yeah, I'm definitely in that space where 
people are like, dude, you're so unhealthy. Like, this is like not a good idea. And you know, you're always going to get people like that. But I'm like, but haven't we always been saying that for all of time? Like, that's not possible. That's not possible. I don't think so. It used to be, if you ran a marathon, you needed six months to recover. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I do know this. Cause I, when I got coaching certifications way back over a decade ago for running, Mm -hmm. um, they said, well, the, the, I think beyond that one was for every mile you run, you need to take a full day of no running. And I was like, what? Like a month (laughs) off for zero running for a month after you run a marathon? I was like, what about a hundred? Yeah. You know, like that's, that's crazy. Yeah. 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 So there there was those old held beliefs and now here you are running multiple two hundreds in a year. And it's like, so yeah, what is the limit? And obviously different people have different limits, but when you train your body up and your mind is so strong and then you have this purpose that you have, and then you have strength from, you know, your faith, Mm -hmm. it's like, what is the limit? Yeah. I mean, that's, that is exciting. That is, is, that is fun because we haven't, I mean, you know, I felt pretty bad in races. I've never died. <laughs> you know, exactly. I mean, I've never pushed out. Yeah. I've never even passed out. I've never even whatever. So it's like, it is exciting to think, God, I, am I just, are we just still at the surface yeah. of what's possible? Yeah. I mean, it feels like, you know, you're getting everything, but then you, the next day, as you said, it's like, man, or even two hours after a race, it's like, God, that wasn't that bad. Yep. So, I agree. So what, God, what can we do? That's yeah. what's so we keep pushing. But uh, I, I think I, I love to touch back on what you were saying earlier too, because I think you can identify this and especially a lot of things that you've been through. People, you know, when we, we put out like these these hard physical um endeavors that we do, you know, people say all oh, that it's like, you know, you can do it because of this and this and this. Like mm-hmm. I I think we all want control and calculations and we want like the right equation. Want it to make sense. We want it to make sense mm-hmm. in order to keep moving forward. And it's like, or people want to put you in a box. Oh, mm-hmm. you're this, this, and this. Okay, well then that means you're this. I push so hard against that, like in every way. I mean, even when people are like, What's your Enneagram number? And I'm like, Nope. What's <laughs> like, that? The Enneagram? Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's like the personality. Um, you have a number. Oh, yeah. Okay. And it's like the, the like if you're a one, then you're this. If you're an uh, eight, oh, you're yeah, this, yeah. and you're this. It's almost like horoscope. Yeah. Way more scientific though. I okay. know it helps a lot of people. I'm not bashing it, but <laughs> my prideful side comes in and just says, Don't put me in a box. Yeah. Don't say that just because I'm that number or because I'm that horoscope that you have me figured out because you don't. And it's like that for every human. You are too vast and too wondrous. There's so much about you that's that's so deep. It's gonna take your entire lifetime to discover who you are, what you're capable of, and all the different variables that that make you unique. And mm-hmm. I think that is the most exciting thing. But the only thing you're going to discover that is if you live it for yourself and stop listening to critics that are trying to dictate what you can and can't do, and you just go and see about it yourself. But when it comes to enduring in races, and, and I think, you know, People see you like, oh my gosh, like you pushed it out with your feet. Like I've dropped out for one blister. And then they kind of turn inward and they're like, they feel ashamed or upset or lame or weak. And I'm like, no, 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 no. That that's not the point of sharing that with you. If I show you something that, that I was able to overcome or something that was cool that I was able to accomplish, it's not to belittle you. Mm-hmm. It's not to oppress you or to make you feel like you're smaller than me. Cause I am equal to you. You know, we all have our strengths, we have our weaknesses, 
but we're at different points in our journey. Mm -hmm. And that's all you got to, that's all that you have to appreciate is you don't know what's down the road for you. Right. And you don't actually know what you're capable of yet. Right. So the reality is, is that, yeah, I started very young enduring some pretty intense physical discomfort, Mm -hmm. emotional, all the way through. And that has been very routine in my life. So for me, when I think about physical pain, like it, I operate very differently with physical pain than other people do. Right. But there's been years and years and years and years that there's a foundation there. And I think that when you approach anything that's difficult, difficult, a task or a goal, you have to approach, approach, appreciate the foundation that you're building. So mm-hmm. no one wants to build the foundation. Right. You think about this in running. The aerobic base is your biggest base. It's the biggest part of an athlete that you build. It takes the longest too. Right. It is the most beneficial, but it is in which you stand on. It is your starting point. And the larger your aerobic capacity, the more you're able and to handle more intense workouts. Mm-hmm. But if your aerobic capacity is small and you go right into intense workouts, that's how you get injured. Right. That's how you break. And it's hard to grow from that. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes we look around at what other people are doing and we forget where we are in our own journey. And so I always encourage people, we all interact with pain in a different way. And we all are at a different starting point. So start where you are Mm-hmm. and build from there. And guess what? It might mean that you DNF one, two, three, four, ten 10 times before you get to the finish line of a hundred, but don't give up until you do. Yeah. And that is going to be all part of your foundation, right. all part of your story. And the cool thing is, is that not one of those DNFs are in vain, right? Every failure, every setback, it serves a purpose. Mm-hmm. And I, and I think that that is a much better way to approach things that are hard in our life or when you see other people do other stuff is like, that is awesome that humans can do that. And that's always the ending, uh, message that I give after Coca-Cola, after Lake Tahoe, I always say, it is amazing what we can do. Mm-hmm. This is that, like my, my performances have not been spectacular. There's nothing like athletically that's like, dude, damn, could pay Sally. It's like, all right, you got to the finish line, like <laughs> struggling, but it's like how awesome what we can overcome, what yeah. we can grow from, how strong we are, like what we're capable of doing. All right. Now take whatever it is that you saw from this and apply it to your life at the starting point that you're at, mm-hmm. at wherever you are in your journey. I think that perspective is tough, especially in this day of social media. People, who doesn't want a hundred mile buckle? Oh my, it's like everyone's going to Leadville as far as I know. (laughs) It's like, that's the race right now. It's like, so you, you said, (laughs) you said, don't bring buckles to your funeral Mm -hmm. and you know, people who don't run ultras might not know what that means, but you do a hundred mile race or a 200 mile race, you finish in within the time frame that's required, you get a buckle, right? And that's like a Olympic gold medal to an ultra runner. It's amazing. So people who doesn't want to say they did a hundred miles, everybody wants to say that because when I, well, I know when I first did it, it was like, Oh, you're the guy who ran a hundred miles, you know? So it's like, you're, (laughs) this is a thing you're known as, but without that base, as you mentioned, it's tough to get there. You have to go through. I mean, mm-hmm. I've had plenty of disappointments up until when I could run a hundred miles. Right. Yeah. And so, and so of you, and I'm not near the success you've been in ultra running, but still I, I had to, I had to go through it. Um, but, 
and I know that that's another thing is I think Strava, I'm not even on Strava, but I know like the <laughs> comparison part yeah. that people struggle with. And it's like, you see this, your favorite runner and they're running this, these many miles, this much vertical, this much pace. And it's just like, no, you got to understand they've been doing this for who knows how long, Exactly. or maybe they're you know, we all have different ability. Maybe they, their ability was a little higher than where we started. That doesn't mean we're not going to finish higher or, or, or even, but it all weighs in. And so we see all these things and they, well, if they're running 120 miles a week, why can't I? Mm -hmm. Well, because you've been running 20 miles a week, so you can't go from 20 to 120. But yeah, yeah I think it, that point that you make about, you know, we all have whether it's DNFs or these, you know, these struggles that we have to overcome. It's all part of it, and it's not in vain, but it's all required. Absolutely. You know, you, you mm -hmm. these steps are required to get to this end goal. Yeah, and I think too, I, you and I talked a lot about this. I mean, we talked about critics because we never short on critics over no. here, but comparison. I know there's that phrase, comparison is the, is right. the thief of joy. And we, we probably say it so much that we actually forget about yeah, genuinely it's like, what, it's what like it is. It's like cliche almost. Yeah, it's, it's like, it's, don't even think about it anymore. You don't. Yeah. But it is pretty incredible. If you are at a point of struggle in your life, or you're really down on yourself, you're looking at like, dude, I just, I'm so overwhelmed. It's like, get off your phone. Mm -hmm. Like, close those social media apps and actually think about the steps that you have planned for yourself. What steps... Are you planning to change the life that you're in? Because if you keep looking to your right and your left, you know what we call that? It's distraction. Right. And distraction is one of the greatest thieves of you achieving your goal. It is, it is the best way to get you off track and it's the best way to frustrate you and to make you bitter and, and to turn inward and just be upset all the time. But when you are laser focused on the path before you, I mean, I think about, I have so much respect for what you do. You trying to get me to focus on that little balloon today, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. But just all the little things that I had to do before I even lift the bow. Mm -hmm. It's so technical. And I, I had told you a couple of times, I was like, Cam, this is like so peaceful for me mm -hmm. because I literally cannot give way or give attention to anything else. I mean, I did not, like, I was off my phone this entire trip right? because I was so focused on like, okay, I need to learn the technique on this bow, like where my elbow is and like, okay, the string needs to touch the tip of my toes and like just everything. And I think that. Oh, God, that's that stupid yeah. timer already. <laughs> <laughs> the, your ability to be laser focused on one thing is also why you're the best hunter in the world. Mm. But it, it's such a simple thing. We don't talk very much about focus. Mm -hmm. We don't talk about wisdom and patience. I mean, those things aren't sexy. Right. Like wisdom, patience, and focus. Yeah. Like, come on. Like, I want strong and perseverance and enduring, yeah. right? Yeah. But it's Fancy like... Fancy car. Yeah. Like, you want <laughs> like the sexy heart. Yeah, yeah. You want that stuff. But, oh my gosh, the only way I was able to hit that balloon today... I had to be all in focus on this little teeny tiny dot. Yeah. And I just feel like if, if you are at a point in frustration, pause, turn off your distractions and ask yourself, what am I focusing on? Mm -hmm. Am I focusing on the pain and everything that's not going right? Mm -hmm. Am I focusing on what she has and what he has and that I don't have and all the, you know, and just, just, I'm just in this darkness and this dismal spot 
or am I actually focusing on where I want to go? On the goal. On the goal. Yeah, the goal and, was a balloon. Yeah. But you can't get to that balloon, break that balloon without all the other stuff. All but, the other stuff. But yeah, that's distraction's not going to make it happen. And the, the distance you shot the balloon at was hard, very hard. You it had was. to do everything perfect. Yeah. And as you said, it required intense focus yeah. and you did it. It was amazing. You did say what <laughs> right there. You said you had to have the string on the tip of your toes. So that, that would make it tougher. It was a tip, tip, of, your nose. <laughs> tip of your nose. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the toes would, would have been difficult. So I'm still getting the reps down, still getting all the technical parts down. Yeah. So there's no toes involved. <laughs> No, but it, I mean, it was amazing. I mean, we were so happy when you hit that because oh you gosh. were around that, you know, we're trying. It's Let's a long just be honest, shot. Cam. Like, mm. no, there's no pride in my shooting abilities. I have very bad hand-eye coordination naturally. So <laughs> no, it took great. me like 60, 60 <laughs> arrows to get that thing. But hey, your endurance <laughs> training paid off. Yes. You know, because most people couldn't have shot 60 times and still been accurate. <laughs> so look, all that hard work in the gym, being jacked and not quit, not quit. <laughs> in those 200s paid off today and having it? an incredible coach like you were so patient with I, me i don't know about so that but fun. but thank you it's uh i you know it sucks you have to get to the airport i know um, this podcast i told you i said cam i never I only podcast God. for an hour it's two hours so <laughs> i know we just need a part two yeah we do and we yeah if we could hit that balloon a little sooner, we'd have a little more time. Right? Okay. <laughs> there, there it is, guys. There it is. <laughs> but, but no, hey, we have we have unfinished business to do we now. Do. So, so now, um, what else did we wanted to do? I think we had something else we were going to. We wanted off. to do a longer run. That I mean, next time I won't come like seven days after a two hundred mile right, race. Exactly. Right? But yeah. even even so, I mean, we we're able to share the that rock. Run. I told you, I oh, want to rock. carry the rock. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're going to do that. I'm going to train to do that. Because you said you picked it up. You said, oh, I could do this. No problem. Yeah. So and we then need you to... and Tanner were looking at me with this look on your face like, oh, that's so cute. No. <laughs> Maybe you can. Maybe you can. But how how great was the whole lift front shoot? Because I was, I'm thankful that Taylor got to join us yesterday. Yeah. You know, and he's yeah. he's just off of the crazy mountain 100. Yeah. He had a rough, rough race there he's a so, sweetheart yeah he's I mean, he's so, so tough too yeah, i mean we i love training with him he uh, we don't get to run as mm. often as we'd like because we're always just doing different things different yeah. schedules but when we do get in the mountains it's so special so yeah. i was i was very thankful that that we got to all share that that was super cool nice nice grind yesterday our run was awesome it was i sweet. mean it was like a solid climb yeah it, it was perfect i mean that was definitely like my kind of run but it was <laughs> we got to experience beauty yeah. incredible conversation mm -hmm. little lift little podcasting but we're going to do that again oh, we are this yeah, yeah we, we have to revisit this but yeah. i want to thank you so much for coming mm -hmm. it's uh i mean it was a, it, you know i've been following you for a long time respect you so much um Likewise. your story is um it's you know heart-wrenching on one hand and inspiring on another i just appreciate you so much sally mm -hmm. um yeah, I'm I'm very thankful for you. Well, I'm very thankful for you. I thank you for all that you stand for. Thank you for standing in goodness and truth and continuing on as you do and just being that light and that example cuz man, I I feel so so grateful to call you friend. Likewise. Yeah, thanks and, for having me. And how I finish this is I always give somebody they're the outlier. So these are outliers that come on my show. He's giving me baby bow. Okay. Can I just say, we need to let people know I've been shooting this thing for the past few days. And then he brings his bow out 
And I'm like, I have a baby, Bo. <laughs> no, this would kill. This, this would kill. Right. But you're, you let me shoot your bow. Mm -hmm. Okay. Cam had to help me pull it back. He, you were so gracious. Be like, yeah, go ahead and pull it back. I, I, I don't <laughs> think I got just... half an inch. <laughs> it's unreal how heavy it is. It's just, you know, you get used to it. So I don't know. You, you'll you shoot this. Fucking strong to pull that thing back. It's, I mean, it's your body gets used to what you ask of it, right? Yes, We've learned yeah. that in life. So you just haven't asked your body to pull bow back. Yeah. But when you do, L it's gonna, listen to you. You'll, you'll be so shooting my kind. bow in no time. But yeah. you shot my bow, and you. I got to shoot your bow. Yeah, it was. I it was, was so fun. like I really wanted to shoot it was Cam's fun. bow. <laughs> it was fun. But here's your own bow. You're gonna. We'll send this down to you. Yeah. You're gonna practice. Yeah, there's a range not far from my house, and yeah. so I'm I'm definitely gonna practice. I really loved this. I love being in that line of focus. Wow. And, and I'm going to come down around Baldy with you too. Heck yeah. yeah. There we go. There's part two coming. <laughs> yes. All right, guys. Thanks All for right. listening. Thank you, Sally. Thank you, Kim. Much love. Thank you. Keep hammering. One of the favorite packages that I get on a monthly basis is the Black Rifle Coffee Club exclusive coffee roast. The only way you can get it is if you subscribe to the coffee club. This month's coffee is a dark roast called Midnight Rider. This elusive roast delivers a fruity aroma, bright acidity, and tastes notes of berry, cane sugar, and melon. Black Rifle Coffee is America's coffee. As it's veteran-owned and operated, they support hunting and conservation and give back immensely to the veteran community. They are offering followers of the podcast 20% off on your first purchase to the coffee club, or order on their site using code KEEPHAMMERING to get America's coffee today. Hoyt Archery has been my bow hunting sponsor since 2005. And personally, I really don't care what bow you shoot, what brand it is. I just hope that you have the same level of confidence in your equipment as I have in mine. Because I know if I get one opportunity with my Hoyt, it's going to pay off.